Live to tape. Welcome to Millennial Season 2, Episode 9. I'm Andrew. I'm Elisa. I'm Laura. And I'm Matt. Did you all do your 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 duty to your nation this weekend and watch the new season of House of Cards? Uh yes. Did everybody I'm part I'm part of the way through. Okay. No, I didn't watch all of it. Oh. No. Elisa, how where are you at? I'm on episode nine. Okay. Well, well that's where I am too. I guess I'm the person without the life, because I finished it. No, I don't I don't binge watch that show, even though I even though it's almost impossible. I try to do at least once a day or something. Yeah, I used to do that too, and then I just had no life. But are you guys enjoying this the season so far? Yeah, I I but am. I'm not done. I feel like there have been some real stretches <laughs> in no. terms of of what what could feasibly happen, but the show has still been good enough that I'm able to kind of let that go. But I did have a couple of points where I was like, "Ah, oh, come on, guys! That you didn't. Nobody fact checked this." <laughs> Claire is a certifiable maniac. No spoilers, yeah. but she's a maniac. <laughs> oh, I but love she's it! Fucking insane. I really don't know how to feel about her, but yeah, it's. I mean, it's compelling shit. I'm not gonna lie. I stayed up until four in the morning, two nights ago, uh, watching like five episodes in a row. <laughs> mm-hmm. It is. It is actually a. a change from the first two seasons especially but i think it's i think it's a good change from season three i think season three kind of got yeah. some problems when they tried to be a little too like they try to get too meaningful like in the first two seasons were and it kind of failed so i think now they're trying to you know accept the fact like let's just uh let's just see where we go let's just have some more just make it a, sh- a show of moments as opposed to the uh underlying trying stuff. too hard to be too yeah. serious Mm-hmm. Right. See, I, I liked like... season three. I'm in the minority on that, though. Yeah, I didn't like it either. You're in the minority on most things, Laura. <laughs> I feel personally no comment. Threatened. I feel personally threatened to to watch the show because Frank Underwood is staring me down everywhere I go in DC. His giant fucking mug is pasted all over Metro. There's actually this enormous sign that says. Um, Frank Underwood, 2016, a push in the right direction. And That's it's amazing. Right, it's right over the train tracks in the exact same station that they used <gasps> the scene oh, where funny. he pushed. Okay, okay, you don't, no spoilers. Some people haven't seen it. <laughs> Fuck you. It was like a year <laughs> ago. But anyway, it's, it's a pretty intense marketing campaign. Yeah, so uh, that 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 premiered uh, last weekend. Good stuff. I I think Kevin Spacey looks really old. I don't know if they're doing that on purpose because like if you go back and look at the first two seasons, he looks so much younger. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they're aging him because you know that's like the president. Oh, and by the I way, I think so. I think yeah, I think it's purposely done. I love the CNN scenes. There's a scene with <laughs> Wolf Blitzer and John King at the magic wall, and I was just giddy. I was like, holy shit. Andrew was like, now I can take it seriously. (laughs) Yeah, totally. (laughs) So, Laura, we have an exciting announcement today. Yes. So we are really, really excited to announce that Millennial T-shirts are here. (gasps) Yay! (laughs) We have two designs, Millennial Shattered and Millennial Sleek, both of which are available for $20 in unisex and lady style tees. And they look really, really fucking cool. I have to say, one is very modern and sleek looking, and the shattered design is just really sick. I really can't do it justice by describing it, Um, so you should honestly just go look at it. Since this is the first batch of t-shirts we're selling, we're taking pre-orders to help us determine demand, and the pre-order period goes from today, March 9th, through March 23rd, and if you order between those dates, you can expect your shirt to ship mid to late April. We have shirt pre-order forms up at millennialshow.com right now, and we will also provide direct links for y'all in the show notes and on our Facebook and Twitter. But that's not all. Huh? <laughs> Matt's like trembling in anticipation. <sighs> we also wanted to do something special to celebrate our first official t-shirt sale, so we're doing this. 
with the purchase of a $20 t-shirt, you will get a two-week free trial of the Millennial Patreon, which begins on April 1st. So if you've been interested in finding out what the fuck it is we do during After Dark, this is your chance. And speaking of Patreon, we also haven't forgotten about the people who already support the show. So if you signed up for an account on or before March 8th of this year, you will be able to buy the shirts at a 25% discount. So we really hope that you guys like these benefits. And I wanted to ask you guys, which shirt is your favorite? (laughs) The one you're wearing. (laughs) Well, I mean, that's a given. I'm wearing both of them. I do prefer when you're not wearing any, though. (laughs) I I like the sleek one. You do? Yeah, I think think that's the one I'm I'm going to... ask you to buy me <laughs> okay all right um I, i'll i'll do that i really you know i i love both <laughs> of them but i'm particularly partial to the shattered design mm-hmm. it's just really unique looking mm-hmm. and i mean it's got our little hashtag m right in the middle of it so i love I, it i like that too but i have to go with andrew i think i think this i think the sleek one's really cool because it has a little bit of an easter egg in the design Oh, I'm not sure yeah. I want to give it. I'm not sure I'm going to give it away. But there's spoiler like, alert. If you look at if you look at the design closely, you'll see a a little Easter egg there. It's yeah. cool. Mm. Matt, I do like you have both. a favorite? I yeah. I actually like both. You know, I I don't really have a a type myself. I kind of just swing both ways with the shirts. Yeah, yeah. just like real life. I, yeah, some days you just want to get shattered, and some <laughs> days you unite it. You just need a little sleek design, if you know what I mean. <laughs> well, uh, awesome, awesome. These were designed, by the way, by our friend Joe, right? Yeah. So we actually wanted to give a huge thanks to Joe Fidel. Huge. Um, Correct. Without whom we would be selling shirt designs straight out of Microsoft Paint. I'm not even kidding. Yeah. So please check out his design portfolio at jfidel.com. That's J-F-E-D-E-L-E. And let him help you with your design needs. We are super, super excited to see you guys sporting your millennial pride. And we really hope that you love these shirts as much as we do. I'm not so, gonna, Andrew. I'm not going to name names, but one of us had to put out for Joe to make these <laughs> designs for us. It wasn't Laura, though. It All was right. Somebody else. It wasn't. No, it's a pre- shocker, shocker alert. Spoiler alert. It was not me. <laughs> that is a shocker, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> that may have happened. I mean, no one's surprised here. Let's move on. Sure. Andrew, I, I understand that you're going to already bring the show down with one of your complaints. Yeah, so every once in a while, something just really bothers me, and I'm like, you know what? I really need to talk about this on Millennial. So the other day, it was late last week, I I woke up to a Facebook message from a person who we all know, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna name. Um and this person messaged me and about eight or nine others. <clears throat> that they're Facebook friends with. And by the way, this person I have not spoken to since since 2007. It's been forever. This person has been totally off my radar, vice versa, like just totally, totally out of the blue. So I get this message from him. And he and I said, like I said, it's a group message. And he tells us, hey, I just thought you all should know. I noticed that all of you have liked Donald Trump on Facebook. I think you should consider unliking him because it's no longer a joke. You know, he, he could be the presidential contender. And I, I'm looking at this with one eye open. I just woke up and I'm just like, what the fuck? Who the hell is this guy to come out of the blue and tell me what I should be or shouldn't be liking on Facebook? Like, it is so incredibly stupid. And as the day progressed, it became more and more ridiculous to me that this person (laughs) felt compelled to message me and seven other people that he may or may not know well to tell me this. Is that not ridiculous? No, this is is serious. I've seen this campaign though. I've seen this going around Facebook. People have been, people on my feed have been encouraging other people find out who's liking Donald Trump on social media and shame them to stop. Like, yeah, like they're, like, you're not doing anything. Like that is not helping anybody. Get off, get your fat ass off your fucking Facebook wall and go out and do something. Here's the thing though, is that a lot of people, Andrew included, don't like Donald Trump on Facebook because they support him. They're doing it so they can follow his feed and stay up to date with whatever bullshit nonsense is coming out of his fat mouth. Right. Not to mention a lot of people started following him when he was just a businessman. 
Right. Exactly. And that's what the person said in the message. Like, maybe you followed him back during the apprentice or something. But I also thought this person just has a lot of nerve to message me after not talking for nine years to tell me something about what I liked on Facebook. Like, go fuck yourself. I almost blocked him. You should have replied and and been like, who is this? Are you a fan? (laughs) (laughs) Either that that or you should have replied and been like, I'm really sorry, but Andrew died five years ago. (laughs) Right. This is his mother. (laughs) This is his mother taking over his Facebook account. I have some leftover autographs on album art if you are really just desperate for that, but... But, but you know what, alone. sir? I think you're right. And I will unlike Donald Trump on his Facebook page. Thank you. Please respect our privacy. Anyway, so lesson of the day. <laughs> don't tell people what to like or not like on Facebook. Let yeah, it's fucking... it's really easy also for you to like things. Because I'm looking at mine right now and fuck, like I I liked the Ford Motor Company and I don't I own a... <laughs> <laughs> I <laughs> Yeah. I mean I like... you're built tough. <laughs> i liked movies i liked some weird show called millennial i don't know what that's about <laughs> yeah and that. i don't even know half the shit so yeah don't be a dick i mean i think i think that should be the hashtag for everyone's life well speaking of being giant dicks uh, i want to move into hidden from the headlines so the past several years the chinese government has been on a cultural crackdown campaign implementing a bunch of new laws in an effort to force conformity and traditional values. This week, though, they really passed the mother of all laws. All depictions of homosexuality, extramarital affairs, one-night stands, underage relationships, and more, all of that is now banned from television. The government said it was attempting to rid its media of, quote, vulgar, immoral, and unhealthy content. Depictions of smoking, by the way, and drinking, and any sexually suggestive clothing are also banned. Oh, and P.S., so is reincarnation. Of all fucking things. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, Chinese censors have said that this type of content exaggerates the dark side of society. The regulation also says that anything they choose to deem sexually perverse or abnormal can be banned as well. Um, what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. Man, it's, um, TV it's really fucked up. TV must be really boring over there. No, but see, the thing is, like, it's funny that this uh, story came up recently, especially within the past week, because what the top rated, uh, sh- the top watched show, especially on the internet in China is House of Cards. And really? House of Cards has some homosexual moments. It has some uh, un, like adultery, uh, kind a of adultery. Bit. It was like it's like it has, like, it, has... it has it has some it has a little shit. I I don't know if it has any of the um I don't know if there's any bestiality in it. But well, I mean, there's not reincarnation be... yet, but the season's still young. Who knows? I, I mean, it might yeah, it might be canceled and then reincarnated. So I mean, it wasn't it also in China where. Finn's character was significantly decreased in size on the Star Wars poster to make him not look prominent. Yeah. Yeah, the the black guy in Star Wars was was made small on the poster whereas in America <clears throat> he he was large cuz he was one of the lead characters. Was right. it just a floating lightsaber? <laughs> no. Maybe. Uh, no, he was there but he was reduced. Yeah, and China's done stuff like this before um so, with movies and posters, so yeah, and you know it's weird too because for us, especially to think that in China, like it's it was only decriminalized at least homosexuality as an illness in two thousand and one. So it's only been fifteen years in China where being a homosexual was not a criminal act. Right. I think these just go really far. Like one night stands, like that's a popular plot device on television to have a one night stand. Like not to mention yeah. life. Yeah, it's just like for chuckles, like, oh, they slept together one night. Oops. <laughs> Credits roll. <laughs> I think this is this is just downright op- oppressive. Truthfully, mm-hmm. this is just downright oppressive to have the government tell private. 
I mean, I guess they're not private entities. This is the thing is that a lot of television stations in, in China are owned by the government, which is very problematic. But nonetheless, to tell private citizens that any like they can write whatever they want and think whatever they want, but like they are never allowed to broadcast it. This violates so many freedom of the press, freedom of the media stipulations. It's unreal. And I think reading this story as as an American or frankly, pretty much any Western um country would read this and they're kind of shocked to hear it like what the fuck is going on over there yeah but if, if that's the sense that you have if you hear this story and you're like what the fuck and you can't believe it remember this moment value this moment because i think it says something about the society in which we live that this seems so preposterous and unfair mm-hmm. and you know when you think about your politics and who you vote for to remember how completely asinine and ridiculous censorship is. I completely agree. Yeah. I wonder how this is going to connect with the film industry too, because China has most recently in this year has overtook the, uh, uh, the U S in, in, uh, resi- like in, in money taken in from, uh, from films, especially in the U S yeah. Like they are now being heavily influenced even more so than the U.S., they're saying, in the next year or so. Yeah, China's so. going to surpass U.S. box office yeah. averages. I think just what will happen is the movies will get re-edited to take out those certain scenes, which is, <laughs> which is, which is, which is ridiculous, I know. but Every movie is going to be 10 minutes long. <laughs> I mean, what the fuck? I would, I would love... You know what we should do? We should take... Like a some popular movie, I don't know, Transformers or anything, and edit it and be like, this is the Chinese edition. And then it's just the opening <laughs> sequence and then the credits. Yeah. And that's it. <laughs> and remember, not all movies end up in China. Ch- China has to approve them. So it, it's only select films from America that, that actually air or that actually. Well, that's probably why, uh, the money uh the box office money is so big on in films in china because you, they only get a certain amount yeah cool so time now for a uh quick little plug uh little patreon update here uh first of all the movie commentary poll is still going on and here is your exclusive first look at the results it's actually a tight race between the lord of the rings the fellowship and the ring of the ring excuse me lisa i'm very sorry and titanic um lord of the rings has 48.3 percent of the vote titanic has 42.3 so very close race if you are a patreon supporter and you want to get in on this vote um you should soon because we are going to be closing the poll very soon all right so the deadline is march 17th to vote and then whichever movie gets the the most votes we will do a commentary for it looks like it's going to be either titanic or lord of the rings now so 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 start prepping your jokes quick fire news we like have to keep doing this segment because we have an intro for it (laughs) okay two minutes on the clock first story we have to start on a somber note nancy reagan uh the first lady uh, with President Reagan, passed away at the age of 94. She died from congestive heart failure. Really sad story. Everybody loved Nancy Reagan, right? Yeah, she was a bastion of conservatism before conservatism became crazy. She was old mm-hmm. school, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, One of the things she's m- most well known for, and I actually didn't know this until she passed away, she was responsible for the Just Say No anti-drug campaign. She was. It was. It's become very controversial that campaign what? since then. Yeah, it has. Now I know who to blame. <laughs> Thanks, has. Nancy. Why? People, why is it controversial? I think she met very well, and I don't. I don't fault her at all for for doing a a, a good thing. But people argue with with valid concern that just say no is just it's not effective. It doesn't work, and that it it began a war on drugs that has since evolved into something pretty asinine and uh ridiculous huh i i I used to be involved in uh the dare program the anti-drug program in elementary school and i i always really liked the just say no campaign because because i think it's a simple message that 
can be easily understood. Just say no. Just say no. It's the motto that I take about anal sex. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, what else will you will we uh, remember Nancy for? Um, I saw a picture of her dancing with Frank Sinatra on Reddit the other day. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. She seemed to have a really beautiful relationship with her husband. Like, like they mm-hmm. were very close allies in the White House. Um, he really looked to her as an advisor. I just remember when when Reagan died back in two thousand four. Oh God! I I was consumed by that funeral, watching it live. Like it really ate up at me for some reason. And um, watching Nancy lay her husband to rest was just so depressing. And that's two minutes. I, I that's two minutes. All right, R.I.P. Nancy. Next so next story. next story: the Supreme Court is doing its due due diligence recently. Um, they reversed an Alabama court's decision that denied a lesbian woman's uh, adoption. So uh, a lesbian couple had adopted children together in the state of Georgia, and then they moved to Alabama. Georgia recognized the adoption. Alabama did not. They said that the law was in or that the adoption rather was invalid because it was a same sex couple adoption and that therefore they did not have to give it full faith and credit that the Constitution mandates you give other state laws. The Supreme Court reversed that and said, go to hell, Alabama. And now the woman, thankfully, has full rights over her children. It sets a great precedent for gay couples moving forward who want to adopt. So if you adopt in a state that allows you to, any other state that you move to must recognize you as the legal guardian. So fuck you, China. Mm. This is what... (laughs) This is what it looks like to be progressive. I would just like to say thank you to Alabama for once again existing just to make Georgia look good. (laughs) I think without you, we would look really bad, but you've done it again. So thank you. Thank Um, you, Alabama, for being the cesspool of America. Whenever we we need to just berate something, you're always there for us. (laughs) Thanks, Uh, Alabama. Potentially stupid question. If Scalia mm-hmm. was alive, what would have happened here? Um, it's... well, he's not. So <laughs> it still would have gone. It still would have gone just because of the number of votes. It still would have gone the same yeah. way. It was unanimous in the vote. Ah, uh, I see. Okay, okay. So, so we're... it 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 wouldn't. Not All right. I, I love how that alarm just busts in and says, "Fuck you!" It's time to move on. <laughs> So, uh, last week it was Super Tuesday, and Trump and Clinton swept in terms of the states. They, they received more, um, <clears throat> delegates than any other candidates in their respective parties, as we discussed. And lo and behold, there was an interesting report in the New York Times. There was a sudden jolt in the increase in searches for the phrase move to Canada here in the United States, after Super Tuesday. And they have a graph here. You can see the jump. It's a pretty significant jump. People hopped on Google after they saw those results, whether whether they were disgusted by Hillary or Trump, and they said, heck with this, I'm moving to Canada. Um, I want to quote the an immigration lawyer in Vancouver, Canada. He said, our phones as of today have literally gone crazy with Americans calling. I used to say that George Bush was my best marketing ally, and I'm going to elevate Donald Trump to that position as soon as he becomes president. <laughs> so, what God. We, so what do we think about this? Um, I mean, I used to joke about it. I'm not joking now. This time it's for real. You, I'm out. You are vowing right now on this episode that you will move to Canada if Trump gets the nomination. I'm not vowing that I'll move to Canada, but I'm vowing that I will seriously research moving to some other country. Okay. Yes. I want to see you blog this. I want to see you chronicle your journey to get the hell out of here. I've done it once before. I can do it again. <laughs> yeah, but this would be for, well, at least for four to eight years. <laughs> I will not move to Canada under any circumstances, and I'll tell you why. Bagged milk. Ew. Okay, I don't... <laughs> 
Canada has bagged fucking milk, and I don't like to carry my milk over my shoulder like a potato sack. You do realize we're like the only people who don't with a sack civilized our milk. with a civilized country. That's right. I like to go to the grocery store and okay. my milk. It's milk time for you to split. stop. Time for you to stop. Time for you to stop. Wait, I I just don't need you. I don't want you to offend too many listeners today. Okay, <laughs> they're just Canadians. I mean, <laughs> oh, I thought you were gonna oh. take a dump on poutine. No, poutine is great. Okay. Greatest thing that ever came out of Canada. All right. Celine Dion. Um, no. So our next story is this. Very interesting. J.P. Morgan Chase & Co. just became the latest bank to announce that they will no longer finance new coal mines or coal-fired power plants. Hmm. Other banks that have already done this include Bank of America, Citigroup, Morgan Stanley, and Wells Fargo. This is all part of a broader divestment campaign led by environmental groups to help us move our economy beyond fossil fuels. JP Morgan has also revealed its plans to decrease its credit exposure to companies which garner most of their profits from coal mining and sales, and that they are also working to begin reducing their exposure to companies that engage in mountaintop mining. Now, this definitely looks like a large step in the right direction, but critics are noting that J.P. Morgan will still back coal-fired power plants in developing countries, though these are said to be, quote, ultra-supercritical plants that function more efficiently. So how much of this do we believe? Well, I, I believe most I believe that this is true. And frankly, I think I think it's brilliant um, campaign on the environmentalist end to be sort of cutting it off, cutting off the money at the source. Like, no, you can't, like, you don't get this. Um, to, to be clear though, the reason why they're making exceptions for really low income countries is because those countries really, they don't have the infrastructure, the resources, the money, frankly, to invest in renewable energy. And the argument goes that first world countries such as the US, UK, Japan, we have, made our living off of the backs of uh, fossil fuels. And that's a little hypocritical and unfair to tell developing countries that they're not allowed to do the same at their own expense. So, yeah, I agree with that. I guess I just wonder when they say that they are, quote, ultra super critical plants, like, if the argument is that, well, it's the developing world, and they don't have the resources to do this the way we want them to do it. Do they also do they actually have the resources to make these more efficient plants is i guess what i'm wondering well they will if jp morgan and chase decides to lend them money for the upgrades mm. so okay. the, that that's the thinking i agree if this is this is a this is a tough one like it's not it's not very clear cut but it's awesome <laughs> <laughs> and time's up it's awesome overall final story in our quick fire news segment today uh this is for all the harry potter fans out there i think there are a couple J.K. Rowling is starting to reveal the history of magic in North America in a four-part series on Pottermore.com. The first one came out today, and surprise, surprise, it's causing controversy, <laughs> which we only discovered right before starting to record today. Some pe some readers are dis dis disapproving of what they saw as a lazy misrepresentation of Native Americans. Um, Basically, this new writing by J.K. Rowling uh, looks at the 14th to 17th centuries in North America when Native Americans were the only people here before the Europeans came over. And um, one person said, and the founder of the website Native Appropriations wrote on Twitter, you can't just claim and take a living tradition of a marginalized people. That's straight up colonialism slash appropriation. So we think this is bullshit, right, Laura? Uh, yes, at least as far as I understand it. Um, I did put out a tweet a little bit before the show trying to get some people's opinions. And I said, genuinely asking, should J.K. Rowling only ever write white characters? I got a couple of replies. One said, it's not that she can't write people of color. It's that she shouldn't be writing stories where being of color is central to the plot. But this is here's the problem. I don't. First of all, I feel like this is. I'm sorry, but some of these people are complaining just because they like to bitch and moan. 
this isn't a plot. This is just a goofy little story J.K. Rowling is putting on Pottermore. It's going to somehow tie in to Fantastic Beasts. It'll probably be referenced. It's not going to be, as far as I'm aware, based on the characters in Fantastic Beasts movie, it's not going to – we're not going to have some Native American movie here. Um, it's just going to be some small background that J.K. Rowling wanted to write about. And, of course, she has to use the Native Americans because that's who were he- that's the people who were here in North America. <laughs> right. I mean, I guess my question is, I just – I don't know how there was any way to win. I mean, if she does – include the native peoples of this continent then she's appropriating if she writes a history of american magic and completely ignores that group of people's existence then what would happen i guess i just i feel like people are jumping all over her for this when six months ago people were lambasting harry potter for not being diverse enough so it's like okay so does she represent people of different cultures or does she not? I, I guess that's why I'm confused and I'm genuinely asking. I'm not trying to be a dickhead about it. I just want to understand what the nuance is there. Yeah, where where I, I agree. It's tough because if she had – I see what they mean by not having people of color be central to the plot because if they're central to the plot, then they necessarily – J.K. Rowling must necessarily comment in some way on their culture. And so if you just sort of you have them there to be representative, but if you don't comment on their culture, then that's okay. At the same time, if she were to do that, she'd be accused of always relegating um, minority characters to be, you know, the token character, like the token black kid or like the token Asian kid. And two dimensional. and, and, And to be two dimensional, to just be there to represent, but not taking any responsibility for for owning that character. So I don't know which it is. Like, would would you rather there be a token character and then her get criticized for that? Or would you rather her actually include a little bit of substance and then get accused of cultural appropriation? I don't know how she wins either, but that really quickly, to play devil's advocate, I will say that I think the point that is really upsetting most people is specifically related to skin, was it skin crawlers? Skinwalkers. I'm sorry, skinwalkers. It is, yeah. Yeah, thank you. So skinwalkers, I know, have been a very, I mean, it's a, in Native American culture, I know it's a very big deal. It's a very old story, a very old legend, very important to, to their, their story, to their narrative. And I think it's because she, she took skinwalkers specifically and turned it into something fictional and part of her universe when it was already part of a different, a real universe. I think if she had included perhaps Native Americans, obviously you're right. She fucking has to. She had included Native Americans, but left out maybe skinwalkers. It wouldn't have been such a big deal, but I think that's Mm -hmm. such a, such a touchstone for Native Americans that it was a little taboo to, to get in close contact with it. No. And I, and I mean, I, I understand that, but I've also seen a lot of backlash from people who are just pissed that she's writing about Native Americans. Right. And, and it's like, is- I'm I'm sorry, but if we are going to start boycotting authors who have written about somebody who is not a part of their cultural makeup, then by William Shakespeare, Arthur yeah. Golden, Harper Lee, Scott O'Dell, you got, fuck you guys, and like hundreds of Definitely other authors. Well, I think, I think too that, and I know we say this a lot, but I think I, once again, context is key. Yeah. All right, so that is quick fire news with the extended final segment. But, you know, Harry Potter's the best, so. And I also think that that's not something that we could have tried to unpack in just two minutes. So we wanted to let it go a little bit longer. So we wanted to have, besides just normal news this week, we wanted to have a larger discussion uh, about something that that the four of us talk about a lot um, amongst each other, or amongst ourselves, rather. Every generation in the U.S., at least, every generation in the U.S. is said to be a little bit more liberal than the last, at least socially. We see that progression throughout time. But how do we think the next generation will be more liberal than us? And I guess I first want to begin unpacking this question by stating, number one, we're asking this because 
one, it's very relevant to what's happening with the election right now. We're seeing uh, a lot of grassroots movements. The the groundswell of support that Bernie Sanders has gotten has been from a largely younger, more progressive generation. Uh, and, and two, because there's been a lot of headlines lately about what it means to be liberal, what liberalism even is, and how it progresses throughout time. So what does being liberal mean to us? Let's start there. Before we make our predictions for the next generation, what what do we think it means to be liberal? And do we consider ourselves liberal even? I consider myself liberal. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I think you guys know that. No, I'm really interested in supporting thoughts and causes and policies that promote equality amongst the people. And I think that that's a big part of it. I'm really socially minded, I suppose. Um, I tend to vote more based on social issues. Um, So gay marriage, um, abortion, things like that. Um, Mm -hmm. And I, I sort of feel like that if people just sit down and fucking talk to each other and just sort of iron out their differences, we'll be okay. But people seem to be uh, hesitant to do that. So set in their ways. Mm hmm. Yeah. It means evolution. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I I I was, I would say, yeah, I was going to say like progress, progressive or more tolerant and open-minded. I would say probably people who are liberal tend to be more towards looking to new opinions and willing to like, like people who try to look beyond traditional values and try to go towards more of a progressive of a viewpoint on things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was just going to say acceptance, just accepting um, that things are changing in the world and uh, to look at things, even if you don't necessarily agree with them, you should just accept them, particularly with a lot of social issues that we see today. Yeah, I agree with that. To me, I, I consider myself to be socially liberal, at least. Um, but to me, I think liberalism, it does mean equality, although there's a lot of discussion over what does equality mean? Do you mean equality no matter what under any circumstances? Or do you mean equality of opportunity? And they're not the same thing. Do you give people equal opportunity and equal equal chances? Or do you level the playing field for everybody Um regardless of how they choose to use the opportunity, if that makes sense. So the, but equality is a good one. I also think liberalism means being self-aware and Mm -hmm. being, being aware of the society in which you were, you were raised and how that impacts your worldview and and your choices and the life that you have. Uh, I think it means when you, when you consider your life and you consider your politics and your values recognizing that those things don't exist in a vacuum and seeing the world, seeing the forest for the trees rather. Um, so for example, you know, one might say recognizing your privilege and the ways in which that you're privileged. Um, I think that that is a tenant of, of being liberal by today's standards, but where is that, where's that going? So we all agree that we're pretty fucking liberal, at least socially. I think that's going to come to a shock to our listeners. Mm-hmm. Where where do we think this is going, though? Because it is very likely, very likely that someday we'll be considered at least moderate, maybe even conservative, if you give it enough time. I mean, a lot can change in 60, 70 years. Uh, and God willing, Matt hasn't killed me by then. So <laughs> where do we where do we see this? Where do we see this going? What, how, in what ways will the next generation outdo us? You know, I kind of feel like it's already happening. Yeah. I'm Even say- with younger millennials, you know, we're kind of on the high end of the millennial scale, not to draw a comparison between those people specifically in this situation, but there is a situation at Western Washington University that some of you might have heard of, where the students are trying to create a student assembly of power and liberation. Mm-hmm. And they're making all of these demands of the college to give them all this money so that they can decolonialize the college and hire new faculty that the students get to oversee during the hiring process. And they're implementing a three strikes policy against professors who don't maintain, quote, safe spaces. 
And to me, that that to me doesn't feel liberal. That feels very authoritarian. But again, I think to a lot of these younger kids, that does feel liberal. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. This is also the next generation will be the very first generation to have grown up with the Internet, too. And I think mm-hmm. that's also something that's going to be very important to consider. We our generation is the very I think is the very last one that actually had to see the the birth of the Internet. We actually had a semi short, uh, give or take, uh, ch- uh, upbringing where we didn't have the Internet. So we do have that kind of combination of the two where we're kind of in a weird area. Well, I I think the Internet has helped in that, like you said, you can see the outside world. Whereas when when you didn't have the Internet, I don't think you were really getting your opinions from the newspaper because it wasn't really like no, you were getting opinions from your family. Because, right. That, yeah, that's yeah. right. That's what I was going to say. So you, you get you you build this knowledge base on what what you hear from your family and you're raised to think marriage is only between a man and a woman and 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 pot is bad and a, a, a plethora of other issues women stay in the, in the kitchen whereas with the internet uh, today yes you're still you're still ra- your family still teaches you certain values but you can go online and read or watch on tv different opinions um even though sometimes it's hard to to agree with differing opinions when you're raised on something else mm-hmm I want to circle back in a minute to what Laura was talking about, about um, the difference between perhaps liberalism and just being downright authoritarian. Um, but before that, before we dive into in, in, into that, what are some specific ways that we think the next generation will be different from us? I'll throw one out there. I think, I mean, religion is an obvious one, right? Because every generation, again, in the United States has become progressively less and less religious. A Pew Research Center poll conducted last year looked at the number, the percentage of Americans from each generation who said that religion was important to them. Um, Starting from the oldest to the newest, greatest generation said 72% of them said that religion was very important. The next generation said 67%. Then it went down to 59% with baby boomers um, and all the way down to 41% for millennials. So you can really clearly see the progression there that with every passing generation, religion is less and less important. Now, that doesn't mean people are are less spiritual or that people are necessarily um, atheists, but it does mean that organized religion is really just not going down very well anymore. Well, and I think that we'll continue to see that. But yeah. do you, I guess you agree with that. But secondly, what are some other ways? Like, what are other issues that you think are going to be taken up? Well, I, I agree with that. And I just want to say, I think people just ha- have other things to do. They just don't have time to make religion a priority. So that's why I think um why it's been on that downward trend but one thing one issue that i think the next generation will be different on is race i mean we see now that we see more awareness of race discrimination in america in particular i mean you, mm-hmm. you think of ferguson and cases like that or oscar so white that we talked about just a couple of weeks ago um i think People now are being raised with it being thrown in their faces all the time now that, hey, there's a lot of racial injustices going on in the country today and it's wrong and we need to do something about it. So I think if people are going to be raised being more aware of that and hopefully more accepting of all people, uh, then then things will be different with the, with the next generation coming up. There was a great speaking of of progressing on race, there was a fantastic Chris Rock quote when he was hosting the Oscars and he was being interviewed about hosting the Oscars. And he said that he's, he's tired of people always talking about the progress that the country has made and the progress that we've all made. He said, he's like, the country hasn't made progress. Black people didn't make progress. The ones who needed to make progress were white people. He's like, we're dealing with the nicest generation of white people in 
the history of the United States. He's like to suggest that that everyone needed to make progress is almost to suggest that somehow you know the slaves deserved it or that it was for their own good and what have you he's like no white people were the ones who needed to progress not the rest of us Mm -hmm. and i just thought that was such a Mm -hmm. different unique way of looking at it it's so true it's like the onus was on us and i think you know he's nowhere nowhere Mm -hmm. near fucking perfect by any stretch but we have made progress and the onus was on us yeah i agree it should be i think he also said something about meeting President Obama and talking about Hollywood liberals and being like, these are the nicest white people ever, and they won't hire black people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. And so it's, think- it really is a commentary on what it's like. I mean, at least I can imagine. What about what about sexuality and gender? Mm-hmm. Where do you where do you think that's gonna go with the next generation? Because that's a big one. I mean we've seen this generation's so open now to to same sex relationships, to bisexual relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, where what's the next step after after your full acceptance of those things? Uh, I think for our generation, the big civil rights battle was for gay rights, mm-hmm. I, and I think in the future it's going to be in regards to gender fluidity and polygamous relationships. Gen, you know, trans awareness and inclusion, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that already younger people are a lot more open to that than people our age are. Yeah. And that's because, like with gay people, we were kind of conditioned to accept gay people. I think this generation was. Um, uh, I think now the next generation coming up is going to be conditioned to accept transgendered people because you see them in the media now i mean a few years ago you barely saw trans. trans Mm -hmm. i mean there was a couple i you know chaz bono and uh there are a couple others but i think uh now like with caitlin jenner who by the way is super republican it's like so annoying um (laughs) you're raised to uh, be more aware of them so the next generation they're just gonna be like transgender people unisex bathrooms okay whatever it doesn't matter Mm-hmm. that's how it I, should be yeah i think i agree with andrew i think the the next big battle will be the transgendered movement i think we saw a bit of it but i also kind of makes me nervous because i don't we haven't really seen like a huge social battle about it about acceptance it's been mostly kind of just lukewarm so i think i think we're, what we're going to see with this movement is what for future movement battles as well is to see if we will have to make it a huge cultural movement or campaign to for acceptance or just have everyone unanimously just agree yeah you know what you're right what do you guys think about polygamy what are your thoughts on that what if what if in 30 years let's say let's in 30 years there's a movement akin to the gay rights movement that's like no we should be able to marry whoever we want and the same arguments that we used in favor of gay rights are now used in favor of polygamy how would how would you feel about that i'm fine with it i mean i'll be perfectly honest with you i personally would not be comfortable being in a polygamous relationship but i don't but like that doesn't mean that other people can't do it i don't give a fuck right. do whatever you yeah. want I mean, it very well could be some big movement in 30 years from now. So I'm I'm hesitant to sit here and be like, no, it's stupid. It should never happen because I'm going to listen back to this and be like, oh, Jesus Christ. Polygamy is like the cool thing to do now. It's on every other TV show. <laughs> it's there's a there's a there's documentaries like crazy about it. It could it could really be a whole big thing. So I, I don't know. I agree with Laura for what it for what it's worth. I, I would never be comfortable with it myself. But who gives a fuck? Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. I you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I, it's it's like on a scale of like 0 to 100, it is 0% of my business. 0%. Mhm. Yeah. But th- I think one of the biggest arguments over this though is like for taxes and That's uh, true. other other things too. Like you could uh you you can marry two people and then would that mean that you can like you can write off like two marriages off as you right. can claim like three or four thousand now. I mean, right. that's, that's a yeah, stretch. but I, I feel like 
we would probably see some changes in tax law if that, you know, when that becomes a common, a more common practice, I would think it, it just sort of feels like people who want to stand in the way of stuff like this happening will bring stuff like that up. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, people like fucking 60 years ago, you couldn't have an interracial marriage. I mean, I mean people- we've like, it's you look not so far back. And like, yeah, we've come a long way. But it's pretty recent, you know? It is very recent. And I will say, people brought up the tax issue when it came to same-sex marriages, too. Mm-hmm. People mm-hmm. said that people said that now you're going to have friends, platonic friends, marry each other just to get the tax benefits. <laughs> which, of course, is that was a legitimate argument for a very long time, which is mm-hmm. ludicrous. It's completely ludicrous. So, Matt, you're totally right. Like, it does present its challenges, for sure. I'm not dismissing that. I'm just saying that we've seen all these same arguments before. And you know what? The sanctity of marriage has already been ruined like that. People get married to foreigners just so they can live over here. Thanks, like Obama. The- <laughs> not my president. Um, it's it's so, kind of funny. You know, though. sometimes they get married to foreigners because they actually they, love each other. No, but yes, I agree <laughs> with that. Come on, I'm just I'm saying fucking that. When I marry a Canadian, it will be to get out of this country. I assure you. <laughs> I would also like to point out that it is, as Elisa said, absolutely patently false that platonic friends would get married to take advantage of tax benefits. Except for the time she and I did it. <laughs> yes, that was different. When I married Laura, it wasn't to take advantage of taxes. It was to take advantage of them sweet tits. <laughs> I have an idea for the show. Let's start a dating game for all of us. Now, of course, it, it, we don't have to marry these people, but we find our Canadian listeners and we try to match each of us with one of them as a backup plan in case sure. Trump becomes president. And this- then we'll have them assign a contract. Telling they have to marry us if we decide we, that's what we want to get out of this country. I think it'd be All fun, right. like a dating I, game. Would be so problematic for us when Canada decides to build yeah, their wall to I keep was us just out. Gonna, yeah, I agree with Laura. Like that sounds fun, but like I'm kind of nervous because we might actually have to do this. It would be hilarious <laughs> if we did this as a lark and then we end up actually marrying one of them. I'm I'm doing a Facebook search now. You know how somebody yeah. came up on me about Donald Trump? I'm searching people who like millennial and live in Canada. I'm going to start reaching <laughs> I, out I, I to totally these people. I, I like this. I'm, I'm DTF for this. <laughs> so last last question here, just to wrap this discussion up. How Do we like the direction that liberalism appears to be moving in? Um, Laura brought up an anecdote earlier about you know, this college who has a whole lot of, frankly, in my opinion, very ridiculous demands. And that is being associated very heavily with, with social liberalism and progressiveness and social justice and what have you. Do we like that direction? Do we empathize with it? Or are we already old ass curmudgeons? So, I feel like liberalism is heading in the right direction right now, but I feel like what's happening is the social justice movement in particular is so young and it's such new territory for so many people that I'm noticing a tendency for people to use the internet to call people out for fucking everything. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can look sideways at somebody and somebody will find a problem with it. And I think liberals we need to not be so offended by everything that's out there because the truth is there's a lot of stuff out there that we should genuinely be offended by and that is problematic and that does need a solution but when you get offended over everything then you're actually overshadowing the people who have legitimate issues (laughs) that need to be addressed Mm -hmm. you're taking attention away from them so i would just implore liberals to just sit back next time you're offended by something and really evaluate why you're offended by it before you go and fire off a tweet yeah, or post I, a Facebook status, please. Yeah, I would say I have real concerns, frankly, about where where social liberalism is is heading. Not because of the substance. 
I think that I think that the movements that I hear about, um, all of them, frankly, are grounded in reality and grounded in very valid arguments. I think there is a problem with social equity in this country for sure. So I don't have a problem with where liberalism is heading substantively. I have a problem with where it's heading in terms of how it expresses itself and its policy implications. I don't like the policy prescriptions that that they're offering. So for example, um, I agree that cultural appropriation is a very real thing and that we need to raise awareness of when this is happening and where this is happening. I disagree that the right policy for that is to ban yoga from universities and to tell people that they're racist if they practice yoga. Um, I agree, for example, that um, we have a very dark, sordid history and that we should not prop up, uh, you know, Jack, like Stonewall Jackson and people like that who have a history of of being super racist. Mm-hmm. I disagree that you should tell a college they're not allowed to name their dorm Lynch Hall because the guy's name who donated to the college happened to be Lynch. Like you have to you have to learn where where to pick and choose your battles and and whether or not um, the policy you're prescribing is is actually effective and going to gain you allies just because you're right on the issue doesn't mean you're right on the policy prescription there's a serious distinction there and i think that sometimes these social justice warriors end up being more like armchair activists who just like you know sit behind their computer and like hashtag all day and don't actually affect real meaningful change because they're more compelled or they're more likely to just engage with the internet and with superficial offenses than they are with substantive ones like get out there you know like in fairness i will say some it kind of sounds ridiculous to say but some hashtags do actually catch fire and and do get noticed and do cause a lot of attention going back oh i'm not saying don't Mm -hmm. have no they're i'm it's it's critical to employ the internet but that can't be all that you do if a hash if a hashtag catches on that's awesome but that is the beginning not the end of your campaign and you need to make really substantive specific demands what are you looking for out out of this movement for example we could talk about this all day this this, we should have just made this the whole fucking episode (laughs) (laughs) it's hard to predict sometimes where it's gonna go and all that but no it's a good discussion and please anybody maybe you have an idea of what the next generation will be standing for or whatnot email us millennialshow at gmail.com it's time now for surprise bitch this is where we surprise one of our patreon supporters so i thought what could be fun is calling somebody who signed up a year ago today Oh, that's cute. I like that. Yeah. Well, nobody signed up a year ago today, but (laughs) somebody signed up a year ago tomorrow. Oh, okay. And that person is Maria, M-O-I-R-A, and she's in Canada. So this is like the perfect opportunity. We could potentially get a wife. Moira. 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 What did I say? Maria. No, guys, I said said what you guys just said. No, No. you didn't. Laura, can you address this person by name, please? Sure. (laughs) I'm good with names. You guys know this. Hi, this is Moira. Can't miss my phone at this time. No. I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Maria. At the phone, please record your message. Should when you are finished recording, yeah, we have a message. Or press pound for more Why options. Moira! Why um, didn't you pick up your phone? We have some stuff to share with you. No, don't, don't tell her who it is. Oh, oops. it's a surprise. It's, it's not Surprise, millennial. bitch! <laughs> <laughs> we, we noticed you uh, signed up for the surprise bitch uh, game thingy a year ago tomorrow, so congratulations on the one year anniversary and we are now all looking for wives or husbands um for when donald trump becomes the president so if you want to marry one of us and help us live there that'd be great let us know okay i volunteer (laughs) no i volunteer (laughs) save me (laughs) i volunteer (laughs) all right moira thank you for your support bye bye
Okay, so that does it for this week's installment of Surprise <laughs> Bitch. You win some, you lose some. What are you going to do? Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, don't forget, email us like we just mentioned a couple of minutes ago. Let us know what you thought of anything we said on the show today. Uh, be sure to let your Facebook friends know if they're following Donald Trump to unfollow. What else did we learn today? The word of 2016 is problematic. If there was <laughs> yeah. ever a word to define a year, it would be that one. Whenever someone's like really pissed about something and they just don't want to <laughs> say that... I find this very problematic, guys. <laughs> like, no, it fucking pisses me off. Coming up on After Dark today, we are going to be talking about a very interesting story that the New York Times broke. Fox News was trying to put together a debate between Donald Trump and Bernie Sanders. Oh my gosh. Could you imagine? That would have been amazing. And we're also going to talk about millennials and earning potential. So two interesting topics today. To wrap up the show, our outro song will be Love Yourself by Justin Bieber. I think that's a great tune. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I was going to. Okay. I what? chose him. Be- I chose him because he's Canadian. And I feel like I- we offended a lot of Canadians. And so <laughs> we need to make up for it by telling them that they should go love themselves. So you right? actually knew this song. You didn't just search Justin Bieber and found this. Oh no, I, I've, I've, heard, this has come up on my Spotify account one too many times. <laughs> okay. 392 million views. Wow. All right. Thanks everybody for listening. I'm Andrew. I'm Elisa. I'm Laura. And I'm Matt. <laughs> I'm Matt. <laughs> what a perfect way to wrap up this episode. <laughs> Jesus Christ. You're definitely leaving this up. <laughs> All right, Matt lost the connection. We'll see everybody. I'm, I'm back. Oh, I'm you're back. 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 What's and your I'm name? Matt. And I'm Matt. And I'm Matt. All right, we'll see everybody next Matt. week for episode 10. Goodbye. Bye. And all the clubs you get in using my name. You think you broke my heart, oh girl, for goodness sake. You think I'm crying on my own while I ain't. And I didn't want to write a song Cause I didn't want anyone thinking I still care or don't But you still hit my phone up And baby, I'll be moving on And I think it should be something I don't want to